Hey folks, you're listening to How to Win a Campaign, where you'll get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to run, but how to win. I'm Joe Fold. And I'm Martin Diego Garcia. And you can find us at CMPWRKSHP on Twitter or at the Campaign Workshop on Instagram. Welcome and thanks for listening to this episode of How to Win a Campaign. On the last episode, we spoke with Judge Steve Kirkland about what to do after you lose an election. Make sure you check it out. It was a great episode. Definitely. And as unbelievable as it may seem to us, we've reached our last episode of this season, but we have a really great one to close out with. We're going to be discussing all things independent expenditures, and we'll lay out some broad fundamentals and some recommendations for building a successful independent expenditure campaign. Well, you know, Martine, we always have a bonus episode up our sleeve, so stay tuned and hopefully another season or two. But I think this topic, independent expenditures, is a really important discussion because successful independent expenditures take planning, organization, strategy, and time. And it's important to plan out your IE early. And another big point these days is that in many races, independent expenditure money is a greater part of the campaign environment than the hard side money itself. So the independent expenditures are spending more money than the candidates are, which is a crazy growth, but it is so important that you understand the IE landscape, even if you're not going to run an independent expenditure campaign, but if you are, this podcast is for you. Absolutely. So for those who don't know what an independent expenditure or IE is, according to the Federal Elections Commission, it's defined as an expenditure made by individuals, groups, corporations, labor organizations, or political committees for communications like a website, newspaper, TV, direct mail, expressly advocates for the election or defeat of a clearly identified candidate and is not made in consultation or cooperation or at request or suggestion of any candidate, their authorized campaign committees, agents, political parties, or its agents. A successful IE campaign really does rely on planning that ensures your specific IE message is finely tuned to a super micro-targeted audience. But Joe, as some of these groups or our listeners are thinking about creating an independent expenditure program, what are some considerations or key questions they should be answering as they lay the groundwork? There's a lot, right? So first, think about, is this a fit for your organization? Are you structurally built to do this, both legally and emotionally as an organization, is your board going to sign off on doing an IE? Is it a fit for your organization? Is this a new thing that you're creating an independent expenditure organization from scratch? Those are all things you want to think about. Again, understanding that if you're an organization that is running an independent expenditure, you want to think about, do you have enough staff to manage it? You may have a hard side part of your organization and a soft side part of your organization. The hard side being the organization that can actually coordinate with a candidate and the soft side, which is completely independent and cannot talk to the candidate. And there has to be a firewall between the two. So super important. Can you organizationally do that? That is a question that you have to figure out. And again, you got to talk to lawyers early. We're going to talk more about that. Next thing is you have to understand what your independent expenditure goals are. 
what is your group trying to accomplish with the IE? What is a primary goal like winning? <laughs> what is the secondary goal like raising attention for your organization, building name recognition for your organization, building attention for your issue and putting that front and center in the campaign, getting earned media attention or growing your member list or growing donors. These are all things that an IE can help you do, but you need to think about what those primary and secondary goals are. The other thing you want to think about is, is this the right campaign to get involved in? If it appears to be successful on its own or there's no chance at all to win, you probably don't want to be a part of it. But think about what will the IE add outside of the current campaign environment? An independent expenditure should not duplicate the effort of what the hard side is doing. An independent expenditure should have its own goal and its own role that you are trying to fill strategically in the campaign. Again, you have to come up with a strategy on your own. It's not in consultation with the campaign. It is truly independent. You have to think about what is a good gap for your IE to fill. Martine, do you have a few other things that you would add? Definitely. Those are some great points. And you mentioned this one earlier, but I want to reiterate, right? Ensure that you are familiar with the legal landscape. There are a lot of rules that go into what you can and can't do depending on what type of organization you are, what type of tax status you have. And the last thing you need is to get penalized for something that you did that you didn't know you couldn't do because it could actually throw not only your IE campaign off the rails, but it could also distract from the candidate's message whom you're trying to support to really make sure that you understand what you legally can do. The other thing is think about money. You have to, like in any, any campaign, have to have a fundraising plan and really think about how much do you realistically think you can raise? And is that enough to achieve the goals that you've set out? Can you raise enough money to actually make the impact? so that you can think about where do we want to spend that money to make the most impact. Again, thinking about your goal and what gaps you're filling, but determining what's the best medium. Is it digital? Is it mail? Is it TV? And who's that target audience that you're communicating to? Lastly, as always, you need to think about timing. Right? Do you have to have that money early because you're going to do some early engagement or build some name recognition for your candidate? Are you going to be doing some persuasion work or does that money need to come at the end because you're really focusing in and honing in on voter turnout? So understanding what the timing looks like for your independent expenditure is also really, really critical to success. Absolutely, Martine. I mean, lifting up that audience point you made, that to me is where we have seen IEs make the most impact is honing in on a specific audience that a campaign is not going to be able to communicate to, but the IE may have more credibility or more time to engage with. So you also want to make sure that as an IE, you are doing no harm. You don't want to harm your candidate with a poorly run IE that can hurt more than it helps. Definitely. And again, right, you're adding value rather than duplicating efforts. So understanding you can't coordinate with the campaign, but you'll be able to see through media on the campaigns, right, through just sort of seeing what they're doing out in the world. Are they running TV ads? Do they have volunteers knocking on doors and canvassing? What are they not doing that you could help out with? Who are they not talking to that you could help out with? So make sure that you have those specific goals and create that plan. But shifting focus just a little bit again to go back to reiterate that legal side, Joe, can you provide some insight into what legal or reporting requirements should groups really be thinking about as they build out an independent expenditure campaign? The most important legal thing is get a good lawyer. 
Get a lawyer that understands your campaigns, meaning your the campaign that you're playing in, whether that is municipal, state, federal, whatever that election law is, make sure you have a lawyer that really understands it. Not as a hobby, but really understands the law that is around that election. It will be invaluable to you. Again, you want someone who is giving you legal advice. They're not another political consultant, but yet they have a lot of experience and can explain to you what different things that you say, how it can be taken. Is there a legal issue around that? You really need to know. And what I'll tell you is independent expenditures are different depending on where you go. Some places, the independent expenditure will make you in 12-point type say how much you've spent on the IE or on a piece of mail and put it on the side of the mail in big letters or where you've printed the mail. There's all sorts of local regulations that you may not know. Sometimes you have to register in a given state to run an IE, understand that, know that, and really work with a lawyer who understands that local or state law or frankly, federal law. All of it is very complex. You need someone to help you navigate it, and it takes time. This is not something you just want to figure out on your own. Absolutely. You want a real attorney and not somebody who just plays one on TV. But we're going to be take a short break, and then we'll be right back with a really amazing guest who has a ton of experience doing this for this episode, Jennifer Rodriguez. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Jennifer, thanks so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Jennifer Rodriguez served the members of the American Federation of Teachers, AFT, from 2006 to 2021. First as the state political organizer for the Texas chapter, then as the deputy director for a 14-state region, and finally as the national campaigns director in the political department. During her 15-plus years at AFT, she engaged in field and political plan composition, project management, organizing, policy development, voter mobilization, and other strategic campaigns and coalition work. Prior to her time at AFT, she worked in the Texas legislature and in journalism. So first, can you tell our listeners how you ended up in a 15-year career with the American Federation of Teachers and what you did there? Sure. Honestly, it's one of those lucky accidents, happy accidents. I had sort of two iterations to my work life before joining the union movement. One was journalism, and then I moved into state legislative work. And with each step in journalism, it got to a point where, you know, I'm really itchy to do something about the things I'm observing and reporting on. Then I moved into the state legislative work in Texas and was there when there were some transitions of historic party structure and power and got to a point where all of the fights were too much and really central and core to me was the fight for equity in public education. It was really what made me, saved me and got me um, through my life was the experience I had in school, in particular public education. I went to a lot of schools around this country as a kid, and so it was important. So I happened to meet with a lobbyist that I really respected, someone who was able to take really complex content and break it down and connect it to people in a way that I could really understand and, and help dig into 
And so I went to him seeking some advice. You know, I'm, I think I need to make this my last legislative session. And what do you think I need to do before I leave this place to be able to find work after this? And he's like, I think you need to quit now and come work for us. So that started my career at AFT. It's honestly, at the time I was in Texas, it's not necessarily a place a hundred years ago when I was there that had a strong labor culture. So when I joined up with him and with the organization, it was really, I was joining a person I trusted on a topic I cared a lot about. As time went on, and as I matured in the work and as I got more experience, to this day, the gratitude I feel to have been able to work with the people I worked with, to have the resources that working people were sort of putting into that work is something that I'm, I'm so, so grateful for. So that's how I started it and yep. then just kind of kept going. And so where I ended up leaving that piece of the work was campaign director and helping with uh, legislative mobilization and education, political fights um, around the country. Yeah. And so today, like we're going to mainly focus our conversation on two parts of the work you did and the work that you know, which is independent expenditures and membership campaigns. And so for starters, can you talk to me a little bit about some of the considerations people should make when considering, when thinking about an IE campaign? I think there's a couple of things that folks need to think about. One is really do a, an, a needs assessment. You can call it whatever you want, but is it something that is not being done, that needs to be done, and that it's appropriate that you can handle it? You have the capacity, you have the infrastructure, you have the, you know, all the tools that you need. It's not to say that if the answer is no to some of those things, you shouldn't do it, but you should absolutely start. I'm a big big believer in not reinventing the wheel. So much work in the, the space that, that many of us are fighting in, that reinventing the wheel, nobody's got time for that. Yeah. And so then my next question, follow up to that is, so tell me like the difference between the role of an independent expenditure campaign, because we're talking about duplication and in comparison to the candidates campaign. Sure. From my work and my perspective, the candidate is really exclusively focused on making their political case for why folks should elect them. But it shouldn't be in a vacuum. There are so many issues out there that from candidate A to candidate B, those issues are still there. And so when you have issues for the community that need to be addressed, it doesn't happen overnight, and it often doesn't happen with one candidate. So you really need to be able to sort of establish that temperature and help prioritize for the voters and for even those candidates what really needs to be addressed. So for my purposes, at least in my experience, an IE gives people the opportunity to help define some of those issues. And, you know, IEs, there's sort of technical pieces to all of that, but who you talk to, when you talk to them and how you talk to them it gives you some flexibility and some autonomy, to be honest with you, from whatever a candidate might be doing. Right. And there are many reasons that an organization might do an independent expenditure. It could be to get their issue and make that issue be part of a campaign. It could be to define an opponent. It could be to talk to a specific audience that isn't being talked to. And I always like to think of in that needs assessment you talked about is like, what is the role that the IE can play that is totally different than what the campaign can do or will do? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I do think that, and we'll probably talk about this more, you know, there is the specter of the dark money and, and super PACs and, and people doing things in the dead of night. That's actually never, you know, I've done, participated in IEs up and down the ballot. It's never been a thing. It's always been sunshine. We've been out there, you know, <laughs> declaring who we are and what we're fighting for. But that's absolutely right. There are folks, and in particular, there are communities that campaigns either don't have relationships with, don't have enough funding or resources, and the IE vehicle is a way for us to engage everyone that, that we think needs to be at the table. Yeah. And so talk about that a little bit more. Like, what are common mistakes that you sort of see IEs make or political campaigns make that IEs can help fix? What are some of those things that you're seeing out there? I would expand that a little, if you don't mind. I think that, you know, what is something that the ecosystem sometimes let fall to the wayside or, or misses out on? And there are some opportunities that an IE can offer all of those that are at stake in the election. But there are some things that I think make or break a really successful community-connected effort rather than something that's sterile. You know, we get a lot of criticism for elections being run out of DC, right? So I think there are a couple of things. The first is getting legal help. That has nothing to do with the hearts and minds. It has everything to do with knowing what you're doing. And these laws change so frequently. Again, each jurisdiction can have different rules, how you collect the money, how you spend the money, the resources, how you deploy people and engage them. All of those things can be different from place to place. You have to have legal help. That's just sort of out of the gate. Making sure that the entire team, the, the key stakeholders in the team understand what it is we're doing, what the limits are, is a thing that I think sometimes people skip over. I can't tell you the number of times that you know we've been working with community and folks within our own network that want to just get out there and set the tables up and put the lid out and just get it done. But if you don't do that with a real good understanding of what the legal lanes are, uh, you could get yourself in trouble for silly stuff. So yeah. that's one. I do think the assessment is critical. Everything from, is there a gap? You know, Do the gap analysis. Is anyone else doing this already? Who else is in this space? What are our targets? What's our issue focus? What are our tactics? Really, really do a thorough assessment of what's out there and make sure that there aren't things that, you know, let's say you're a C3, make sure that there aren't things that you could do as a C3 that you're not already doing and make sure that you've really got a good picture in mind of what you're trying to accomplish. I think waiting too long, <laughs> yep. that's another thing that I think people do. It's like you, you kind of know things are, are not right and you really need to, to really try to pull out all the tools you can on your issue or for your candidate or, or whatever the situation might be. But if you wait till you need it, you're gonna be very frustrated and really commit some unforced errors potentially. So once you start to smell it, be ready, right? Have yeah. it all lined up and be ready. Yeah, I mean, some of the ones that come to my mind on this, first of all, yours are great. The additions that I would make is sort of being honest with your partners, right? I don't think people always 
are honest with the coalition about what exactly the resources they have now and what they may or may not have for this IE. Be as open and transparent with your partners as possible on what you think you can do and what you think you can't do when yeah. you're putting together an IE. Because that is a way, again, when you're doing this gap analysis, that people don't make assumptions that you're going to come in with a lot of money when you really may not, or the things may go elsewhere. I think that planning and that honesty from the beginning is also really critical. And then sort of the messaging part and messaging to the right groups, that to me is a thing that folks miss. And knowing that, as you said, my favorite part of what you said is time. This takes time. It's not something that you want to put up an independent expenditure in the last two weeks, especially now with early and absentee voting. That isn't as useful as it used to be. You really have to plan this out way ahead of time. Absolutely. And I think one other thing I'd build on, and I think it's what you were just touching on, there's so much in all of our systems that have sort of built-in systemic bias even among allies. And this is one of those areas, and I, you know, I, I don't want to speak for organizations, but I think this is one of those areas where, let's say you do have a C4, you have a structure in a way legally and compliant to participate in C4 activity. There are so many folks in the good fight on the C3 side, and it can feel like bias because you can't legally sit in some of those discussions in those tables. And so, you know, I do think that um, this is one of those areas where there's a lot of work that, from my perspective, that the progressive ecosystem continues to need to invest in research and development and access for all the voices, which leads me to, you know, one other thing that I think folks miss out on sometimes, and that is it is important to bring all the firepower you can to the issue or the, you know, the fight you're in the, in the midst of trying to win. But you also need to have someone from the community be a part of that. Very often in the work that I've done over the past decade, we might have an independent expenditure program that we're participating in in a local community yeah, we know best practices and we, we've learned a lot from, you know, doing these, this type of work around the country, but I always found it invaluable. The data is one thing, but having people that really understand and know the community is equally critical. It's not just science, it's an art as well. And, you know, it can be real sterile and a little obtuse and quite frankly, a little offensive if you don't have those voices from the community you're trying to do right by. A hundred percent. And it's understanding, I think sometimes in the past, these IE tables or sort of coalition tables in general have only quantified value based on dollar amounts versus time, energy, support on the ground, knowledge of the area. And those things also need to be taken account as a buy-in as you're planning a campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the acronyms that I always love to think about, and we love acronyms here at the Campaign Workshop, but is the idea of SMARTY goals, right? The idea that yep. you are thinking about strategic, measurable, ambitious, realistic, time-bound, inclusive, inclusive and equitable. So the idea that you're 
having all of those elements as you're putting together these goals for a campaign and for especially for an IE campaign. And again, if you're coming at this from an organizational perspective, you're thinking about how does that reflect the primary and secondary goals of your organization that's playing into these IEs. Yeah, absolutely right. So we've talked about the legalities. We've talked about sort of regional differences of IEs that the laws change. One of the other topics I want to switch to is we know you've worked on both independent expenditure campaigns and membership campaigns. What's the difference? Can you talk a little bit about that? And then we'll dig into the membership side. Yeah. You know, I always feel delighted and, and great. And I have to say it's been rare in my career where everything aligns and everything is on the same page and everyone has the same list of priorities. So to me, the difference with membership and IE is with your organization, your folks, there are things that matter to them very uniquely. Doesn't mean that they're counter to the rest of the movement or the effort, but there's some language that you can use. There's some value statements that people within that community understand. The same way me and the neighbors around my block might really be very familiar with that one terrible pothole, right? We know it. It's not necessarily something that everyone in, in my town, you know, gets. So with members, you want to have that intimate conversation. You, only you can have that kind of conversation with them. And they become real, hopefully, drivers for the rest of your effort. They become the validators and volunteers and that sort of resource that's so, so critical. And so you want to talk to them in, in language with priorities that they have, and you want to ask them the kinds of things that you can ask someone you're very familiar with. With the broader work and with IEs, to me, that's everybody else in town. That to me is you got to start, not try to take too many liberties, start back a little ways, do some listening, put out there the things that you might be prioritizing and see where you, you know, where is the right spot to make the argument. And also to me, this is where like organizational goals come into play, which may be different than the exact goals you have for an IE. It might be that in these local member campaigns, you're really trying to build leadership and membership development to get engagement with groups of people that maybe haven't engaged with your organization before and you're trying to get them more engaged. That may engagement may be something your organization needs to spend time on and use different tactics than you would in an IE. And yeah. there are worksite visits and like different types of engagement that you can be doing with your members and should be that you wouldn't allocate the resources for in an IE. Absolutely. And, you know, it also reminds me of a practice that, you know, I don't think ever really goes away is often your members, even if you are a national organization, your members live and work in the place that, you know, you're trying to, to get somebody elected or get a ballot initiative, whatever it might be. And they're going to live and work there after the campaign is moved on to something else or isn't there. So very often there is that sensitivity as well. And it's an opportunity for the organization to really 
make queer a firm, if it's not volatile in a time of change, affirm who they are, who their members are, and what they prioritize. For labor unions, that's where I'm familiar, is so crucial to use all those opportunities to get out and really define what our values are. And the laws, right, for the the member versus the IE work is also different. Sometimes on the member side, depending on your setup and structure, you're able to coordinate with campaigns. Sometimes you're not. So it's really understanding that legal part of your organization too, and what your organization wants to say to members and what it doesn't want to say to members. Sometimes there are those internal considerations that you really have to think through as an organization. (laughs) That's right. And I think it's interesting to me what the election space practitioners you know you guys and probably anyone who's listening we know but the fact that we have to deal so much with the irs it's not just law right it's all the worst things of life it's the legal system and it is the irs and both of those things need to be met while you're also trying to do your implement a strategy and remain compliant. Again, in my sort of previous work, I was constantly talking to our team and to new team members would come and go. And I'd have to remind them that, you know, look, we want to make sure that we are good stewards of the Met trust of these members, which they show us in being a member. And two, winning for us is not just the candidate winning. It's literally that the members understand, the members supported this, the members were calling for this. And if they weren't, if they were part of the the smaller group that maybe had a different issue that they were concerned about, that they understood why. That was equally important. And I'd imagine that's something that any organization that has members, we have to be really mindful of. Yeah, and I mean, the members are really a part of this process endorsements are like, you know, you're not getting an independent expenditure in your area. You're not getting member campaign work unless you're endorsed by the organization. And so that endorsement process and that engagement process in many, many organizations is very locally driven by members. Yeah, absolutely. And just democracy, all of this is talking about our system of democracy. These are the sort of the rules and the game boards that we are all currently given. That being said, the members, at least where I come from, depending on the race, depending on what's at stake, there are different levels of the organization. Yeah, the leadership of the organization, certainly where I come from, top of the list is making sure that we are putting the issues out there, that we are identifying what is important to members, and then coming back and having a conversation about, now we've got to talk about this in the election space. And certainly in education, you know, it is as uncomfortable as it can be for some folks, it's political. Everyone else is political about it. And so being able to air those things out, and sometimes you see pretty public debate among the membership over different topics, it's healthy. That's so critical. Folks are used to doing that and want to have a voice in who and what we're trying to get past. So any last advice for listeners if they're thinking of running an independent expenditure campaign or a membership campaign, places to start, 
things to avoid. For those that haven't done it yet, are considering doing it, think, consider, you know, are you a state, because we're seeing more and more of this, you know, are you a state that has a lot of local referenda and a ballot initiative process and, and lots of those kinds of issues that if you don't have a voice in, in some of those discussions, you know, you're going to be underserving your issue. If that's the case, I would talk to some in my own neck of the woods that have C4s, that have some of these other vehicles and get a lay of the land from them. And I can't, again, I, if I don't say it enough times, you have to have good legal counsel just to help you wrap your head around, get the paperwork filed, double check the things that you want to do that you can do under the, the structure you're envisioning. But I would start by not getting overwhelmed and literally having a conversation with some in your own community, as close to your community as you can get, that have been doing that kind of work so that they can give you a sense. So Jennifer, last question. Do you have a podcast, a book, a movie, a resource that you think our listeners would like that's on politics or advocacy, independent expenditure campaigns, member campaigns, anything that you would want to share? Yeah, you know, I have a couple besides this, obviously. Today Explained, 538, Playbook Deep Dive. I've been listening to those a lot lately. Honestly, I just added the Lincoln Project. It's a probably as far right as I can. I'm, it's like an inoculation. I'm getting there because I do think we're not going to be able to fix things if we can't start to hear each other. So I'm working on myself. There's some of the few. Yep. Cool. Well, Thank you. I always find it's really interesting to sort of hear what's out there. I always love hearing what our guests are listening to. And so, Jennifer, thanks so much for connecting with us. And if folks want to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter. Hopefully I can find me there at Bezmom, B-E-Z-M-O-M. Well, Jennifer Rodriguez, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you. And we're back. So that was a great conversation. And Jennifer is awesome. Her experience is great. And she has a real key understanding of independent expenditures, of how organizations work, and how to navigate the complexities of coalitions and the total political landscape. So some of the core points that I heard in this conversation were staying focused. There's a lot of distractions and roadblocks to building an IE from time, fundraising, general distractions of like doing your day job if you're in an organization and trying to figure out how do you carve out the IE into the culture of an organization. Those are all things that take a lot of time, planning, and resources. So make sure you start early. Have clear goals. What do you want the independent expenditure to do in a way that it fits within your organization? What are you thinking it is going to be? We talked about earlier, is it 
lifting up a specific issue within the IE world infrastructure? Is it raising the name recognition of your organization? There's lots of goals that you could have, but you want to think about what your goals for the IE are. And then lastly, as far as my points go, find a role for the IE. Make sure that the role of the independent expenditure is different than the role of the campaign. This is going to take more smarts to really figure out a lane of what you need to be doing. Again, check with a lawyer, have conversations, but think about what you can do that can help achieve your goals as an independent expenditure. Martine, how about you? Jennifer, Jennifer is a boss. I mean, she's done so much. And I think it was really helpful to hear her reiterate the piece around building a plan. IEs take a long time to figure out whether it's raising money, figuring out your target audience, figuring out which medium you're doing. So it's going to take a lot of planning and a lot of planning earlier than you might think. So make sure that you're building in that time to do that planning, part of which includes, and I appreciate that she brought this up, is have a real coalition. You don't have to do this by yourself. And in most cases, you shouldn't be doing these by yourself. You want to have that time to get the coalition in all in alignment on what the goal is, what you're trying to achieve, who's bringing what to the table, but also that you have the right people at the table. Is there a diverse set of perspectives? Are you being inclusive in the way that you are thinking about who is at the table and what they're bringing to the table? Are they a trusted messenger? Can they bring resources? Do they bring boots on the ground? But that coalition work is really, really important. I think one of the main points that she that she made right, is don't give up. Maybe your candidate doesn't win. Maybe you don't defeat that incumbent. But it's not to say that you didn't make some progress. You didn't talk to a key audience. You didn't build name recognition for your organization or highlight your issue. It may take a couple of, of election cycles to get there, but you have to put the work in and you can't give up. Don't, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You might start with a goal of raising a million dollars at an independent expenditure and you may get to $600,000. Don't be upset that you raised $600,000. Figure out how to use that $600,000 in the best way possible. So Martine, we are now at the end of season three. Season three of this podcast. And my question to you is, do you have a favorite podcast moment from season three? I, I do, I do. I mean, you're right. I cannot believe we are three seasons into this. We did the first one. I was like, ah, this is something we'll do on the side. And now it's been really, really great because I get to talk to folks like Joe Sandler or Mark Putnam who have been in this industry for such a long time and just have such really amazing insight and knowledge and experience to share. I mean, those are definitely episodes that I'll probably go back and listen to. But it's always really fun to get to chat with these folks that you hear about, get to ask them a bunch of really amazing questions. And, and, and get them to provide some really concrete experience and on how to think about whether it's campaign finance or, or developing eye-catching creative. So those are just a couple to name a few. But Joe, what about you? Anything that sort of sticks out to you about this season? I mean, there were so many great guests. I mean, Jason Kander was on. We had really great, great conversations with people that, again, were mentors of mine, like the Mark Putnams of the world. But then, frankly, I got to talk to Danica Rome, who I trained through the LGBTQ Victory Institute. We also got to talk about Swedish death metal, which I don't get to do very often. So that was exciting and interesting. And it, again, digging into these guests and hearing their experiences 
every time I do a show going back to season one, I learn something and it is awesome. And I, it's just a privilege to do it. And it's fun. And it's also just fun to do this with you. Of course, and we could not do this without all of the amazing guests that were on this season. They brought so much experience and insight and expertise to all of the conversations, whether we were talking about the candidate perspective or ballot initiatives, independent expenditures, working with consultants. I mean, the list goes on. And so a huge, huge, huge thanks to everybody who was a guest on this season. If you're interested in being a guest on our show, always feel free to reach out to us. We're always open to ideas and potentially who knows maybe there'll be another season coming oh oh there will be martine don't worry i know you're worried but i also want to put a shout out to the staff who worked on this and there's a lot of staff who worked on it starting with elizabeth rowe our fearless producer who had not produced any episode of podcast before she started working on this and is now really awesome at doing it um i also want to thank our audio editor cliff i want to thank all the staff folks, past and present at the campaign workshop who worked on this, as well as our amazing crew of interns who dug into this and really helped with research and details around this. We really have a great team. I also want to thank people who wrote in with story ideas and had ideas for guests. Send those to us. It's a big help. Absolutely. And of course, of course, of course, thank you to our listeners for listening not only to this episode, but to the entire season. We really hope that we're providing you with some helpful insights and some resources. And as always, if you have questions or comments about any of the topics that we went over this season, always feel free to reach out to us on either our social media or email us, both of which can be found in our podcast description. Well, Martine, until next time, this is Joe Fold. And Martin Diego Garcia, breaking down how to win a campaign. How to win a campaign is Joe Fold, Martin Diego Garcia, Elizabeth Rowe, Carrie Yanata, Gabriela Zwaffler, and Hope Ledford. Music by Mike Pinto. Sound editing by The Sound Senegoma. Special thanks to the team at the Campaign Workshop. Please review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.